Trigger warning, this podcast contains discussions about suicide, which some listeners may find distressing or upsetting. So please listen with caution. Welcome back to another episode of the Just Checking In podcast. I'm your host, Freddie Cocker, and this podcast is brought to you by Vent, a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas, and start conversations. Each pod, I check in with a very special guest. We have a natter and a chat about all things mental health, as well as anything and everything else they are passionate about. If it helps that person with their mental health, we discuss it. My special guest for this episode is a friend and someone who has been building up to doing this pod for about one and a half years. Joe Isaacs works in healthcare and is a university friend of one of my best mates and guest on JSIP 100, The Boys, Alex Hensman, as well as university friend of friend of the pod, Sam Evans. To help the conversation and for moral support, Alex will be joining me and Joe in this conversation and chipping in here and there where appropriate, as well as taking us down memory lane where they talk about their favourite university memories and stories. For Joe's mental health, he has struggled with anxiety and depression for a long time, but went through periods where he either didn't recognise it or was unsure if it was something that everyone goes through or something which he needed help with. A big trigger for Joe's mental health difficulties was the aftermath of a previous relationship where he says he put a lot of his self-worth and self-esteem into it. So when the relationship ended, it affected him severely. Since that moment, there have also been several periods on and off where Joe has felt suicidal or has felt periods of suicidality. And we discuss how and why that comes and goes, the therapy he is going through at the moment to try and address the scars from that relationship, manage it and hopefully get better with his depression and anxiety. He's also working through improving his self-esteem as he admits he can be very hard on himself and we explore why he does that and how he's trying to break that cycle going forward. We finish with a discussion about him and Hens' friendship, the mystery trip they do together as a group of university friends every year and some stories around that, how they all support Joe's mental health when he is in those difficult periods and the lack of judgment they provide when that difficulty causes him to be either bad with his phone or not in the best mood on a night out. Me and Joe have been chatting for a long time privately about doing this and I'm really proud of him that he's decided that doing this podcast will help his mental health and speaking openly about it for the first time. So this is how my check-in with Joe Isaacs featuring Alex Hensman went. Joe Isaacs, welcome to the Just Check-In pod. Hens, welcome back. Second appearance. Cheers, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, boys. How are you? Yeah, can't complain too much. Cheers for having me on. I know it's been in the works. It's for been a long run up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's been a long run up, mate. Don't worry, a lot of the boys have had long run ups too. So yeah, but some of them are still not on yet. Some of them, yeah. yeah. Some of them don't want to be. To be fair, no, I, that's I fair did, enough. Did a few bits of chasing, but they're, they're yeah. not keen. They're not keen, which is fine. Joe, I'm very proud of you, first of all, for doing this because it's not easy. As uh, Bartlett, James, Dan have all shown, it takes a lot of guts, it takes a lot of courage to do it, and you need to be in the right place, you need to be ready, you know, don't rush yourself, and I don't think you did rush yourself into doing this, which is good, and I think we've got a lot to talk about, so without further delay, are you ready to start the show? Let's get it. Yeah, let's Let's do it. it. (laughs) As we explained off air, mate, and when we had that first phone call, this pod's going to be very simple. So we're just going to talk about your mental health journey first, and then we'll do a little bit of a mental health chat at the end. So I ask all my special guests this question first. Take me back to early life, teenage years, and looking back, were there any early mental health experiences you can pinpoint? Who's the Joe we meet here? It's a bit of a tough one, to be honest, because obviously looking back with hindsight gives you so much more clarity on X, Y, Z, especially when you've had time to sort of unpack it a bit more. Ruminate, yes. Yeah. Good vote, good vote, uh, yeah, I, I, def- I definitely think there were sort of early signs of it just with being despondent. Like I'd have, I, well, I'd have periods of time, like I was always quite high achieving when I was younger. Like I did well at school, like I played a lot of sports, played quite high level at a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. So when I did have things that I struggled with, like it would quite severely yeah yeah Yeah. I just didn't really know how to deal with it and that would cause me to sort of spiral Mm. a little bit were you scared of failure 
That, oh, massively, yeah. yeah. Not just failure, but like not being good enough. Mm -hmm. For who? Uh, for yourself? Uh, it's not necessarily being good enough for like an individual mm -hmm. or particular people. Just that sort of sense of like self-worth. And there would definitely be days where I would be quite despondent. Not necessarily for any reason, though a lot of it would be linked to... So sometimes there would be triggers and sometimes there wouldn't be. Yeah, right. yeah. some days I'd just feel down and especially growing up, I just thought it was something that everyone mm. went through. And I think I think people do to a degree, like you do have days where you're sad mm. and where you are just a bit sort of down, mm. low mood, that kind of thing. Mm. But it wouldn't just be the day, it would be... Sort like of a week or a week month. or right. longer. And yeah, like I just didn't really know what it was mm -hmm. and when did you find out really really not that long ago like. <laughs> i'll be honest like i definitely had my head in the sand for probably most of my life Denial. With, yeah yeah like, i didn't really want to face up to there something being potentially wrong right i thought that i was almost creating things to be sad about like in my head. Right, so you think you thought you were overplaying it? Yeah, like yeah, definitely. Make, yeah. Your own mental health Making right a much bigger issue out of things than it perhaps was. And I don't think I was particularly fair on myself with a lot of that. That self criticism was quite powerful then? Yeah, massively. That's definitely something that I struggle with quite a lot. The sort of internal dialogue I have with mm. myself is probably quite a lot harsher than it would be for someone else. Hens, you've known Joe since, what, first year of when, No, no we met in our third, third, third year. Third year, yeah. year right. So but we, both, we were both okay. at uni for five years, so we, right. we, we knew each other for <laughs> right. three, three years at uni, essentially. So, so you've known each other, what, eight years now? Ten so it would have been 20... Years? About seven, eight years. Yeah. 2015, okay. so about, yeah. Um, and when years. you first met Joe, did you notice these things? When I first met Joe, he was always, like, very... I like myself kind of things. Like right. I, looking back now, it's probably like he was kind of deflecting away Shielding from, it. yeah. yeah, Because yeah. I remember I remember when I first met you and you used to say, oh yeah, I just love me all the time. You used to say that all the time. And I was just like, yeah, this guy's just like really confident, like doesn't really care what anyone else thinks kind of thing. And like a lot of people I know that know you from uni that are not necessarily as good friends of you just have that image of you now. And like, that might not necessarily be true. Mask. Yeah, well, it's a bit of a tough one because... It is a mask and it isn't at exactly the same time. Like, I'll have days so where... There's truth in it. There is, yeah, there, there is, is. There's, there's definitely truth well. in it. Right. But it's also... I'll be kind of two ends of a spectrum with it. I'll either be like, oh, I am amazing, I'm great, I can do whatever I want kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Or I'll be the complete flip side of that and feel like I'm it's just It's a really not... hard pendulum, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. one or the other. There's not a lot of grey in between there's, the two. You've been struggling to find a balance. Yeah. Right. And then when you were in university, these symptoms of anxiety and depression, which one was stronger, do you think? Which one affected you more? And how did they interact with each other? It probably started first with like anxiety. Because like, like I said earlier, I was always quite a high achieving at school, at college. So when I came to university, I didn't really have a framework to fall back Most on. Most of us did it to be Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Like, I just didn't have a framework to fall back on to get myself into the mind space of I need to actually work, I need mm -hmm. to do all this revision, I need to just ask for help. A-levels didn't kick that in. No, no. I, I, I smashed my A-levels. Oh, fair. Like, I, I did minimal work and got relatively good grades. So oh, I, got, wow. I got three Bs without really trying. Right. So I went to uni with sort of this almost full sense of confidence. Have you ever thought about if you had applied yourself whether you'd got higher than Bs? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah quite, quite a lot. I wonder where I would be, but at the same time... It's so not did the penny drop at uni then? No, no. It was when I started struggling and I didn't know how to like ask for help. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to go about learning Reaching from out, scratch. Yeah. Do you think that the self-confidence thing counted against you a little bit? Because you thought, oh, I can't now ask for help because I've given everyone this image of I'm um, self-confident. Yeah, mass yeah. It would damage or even destroy that mask you had built. Yeah, and um, like, I know it's quite a stupid thing but there was just this fear of like almost rejection from it 
Like if you would lose your friends, you not did. not necessarily friends. It was like people sort of that you'd look up to, like your tutors, your lecturers, mm-hmm. or other people in your course who were like a lot smarter, that kind of thing. And I was sort of scared I'd lose that image of like self reliance. So okay. I've, I've always had that. I've always been quite a self-reliant person. I don't necessarily rely on other people for anything, really. So you feared losing independence? Yeah, a little bit. And I just didn't know how to get out of that mindset. Right. How did you see that affecting him, Hens? To be honest, Joe's like mental health issues and this kind of stuff, I haven't really known until post-uni, for mm, the most we'll part. Get to, we'll get to that in a bit, yeah. yeah. But like, when, when we were at uni, like we... We did a few modules, the, like second year we were obviously doing pretty much everything the same. Third year we had a few modules together, I think. Our relationship was very much like, we see each other when we go out. Yeah. Yeah. We see each yeah. other when we go out and we see each other when we play football. It wasn't like, we wouldn't talk about uni work or like anything like that. Like Sam was the kind of person I would go to if I needed <laughs> <any> <laughs> uni work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously yeah. Sam Evans. <laughs> he was the kind of guy that I would go to if I needed any like or him or Sean. That's a great question, yeah. Heads. He, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I knew Sam was the guy to go to because he was just like... It's just very switched on. Yeah, he, he's not... Well, I mean, he's a smart kid, but he's not... I'd say he works hard as well as being smart. So right. Like, that's, way, that's how he gets the way... So he, he had the balance. He had yeah. the... Yeah, he definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. had the balance. I want to move on to the, shall we say, main part of your mental health journey, Joe which is the impact that the end of a previous relationship had on your mental health. So tell me why this period, and you don't have to go into too many details, obviously we're respecting the other person here, but just tell me why, from your perspective, that breakup was difficult. It was just like the first relationship I had where I'd really felt fully, fully committed. I was in 100%, like I put everything into it, and... To be fair, like she did as well. It was a it was a very serious grown up relationship, and I'd not really had that before. But more so, it was the first relationship where I, I felt safe. It wasn't just that she was my girlfriend; she was like my best friend. Mm-hmm. Like she felt like home. Mm-hmm. And so losing that, I really I felt like I'd lost a part of myself. Mm, you put your identity into it. Yeah, yeah, mass- yeah. massively. Like I, I really relied. Like looking back, I relied on her quite a lot for like my mental stability. Mm. Just having someone there constantly that doesn't even necessarily need to ask anything, just their sort of presence comforts you kind of thing. Mm. So her presence was a validation almost. Without her validating you verbally, the presence was a validation. Yeah. Yeah. Just her being there made me feel sort of better Mm -hmm. about a lot of things. And like our relationship mostly was during COVID Mm -hmm. and like I was working on the wards at the hospital during COVID. So mm. I was working through that, seeing it happen on a sort of daily basis. Yeah, we can both and that was that. Yeah, yeah, and that was really, really tough. Mm. Like, don't don't get me wrong, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I don't regret it at all, but mentally it was very, very tough. And she was just sort of there. She was your release valve. As yeah, I yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I could just, I genuinely felt like I could be myself with her and I didn't have to wear a mask. I didn't have to be someone that I didn't have to sort of present any particular personality. Mm. I could just completely be myself. And does this, this come back to that self-worth we talked about? Yeah. So did you feel like you put your self-worth into that relationship? Oh, uh, well? yeah, like yeah. quite a lot. I tend to, with relationships, I tend to sort of get a bit a bit lost in them sometimes. Mm-hmm. And if, I, if I'm with someone, then I am a bit obsessed mm. to be honest do you think that when you were in it you were suppressing or ignoring some of the previous issues that you would perhaps needed to address yeah okay yeah but it's 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 a tough one because i don't i think if that relationship hadn't happened and that breakup hadn't happened and the fallout of that i'm not sure i would ever have really gone fuck i'm not all right mm. I don't, I don't, I don't know, yeah, yeah, Mm. I don't know if I would have had that sort of moment of clarity where I go, shit, I I need to get help, really. Mm. Yeah. And what happened when you did? Um, cried. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, no, it was... first stage is always the most emotional, mate. Oh, it was, it was tough, just having someone sort of ask, who's trained to ask, like, the right questions and lead the conversation in a way that 
makes it quite difficult for me to deflect because I think I'm quite mm. I'm quite I think I'm quite good at that mm-hmm. at deflecting definitely are. away from <laughs> herself so having someone that would notice that and then ask hard-hitting questions and mm. be like look you need to be honest about this I can see that this is an uncomfortable conversation for you to be having but it's a conversation that you, you need to have I think that really helps because one, it validated what I was feeling, which I I still struggle with that. Like when I have particularly bad days, I will beat myself up about it quite a lot. I won't be particularly forgiving to myself. Like if I'm having a bad episode, so I'm having a week where I don't have the motivation to do anything, I'm finding it really difficult to sort of take care of myself. I will be in my head about it, saying stuff like, what have I got to be sad about? Like, there's people in so much... So you're validating yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And going to therapy and having a conversation and have someone actually go, yeah, you know what, well done for coming. Like, that made me feel a lot more, like, accepting of it and being mm-hmm. being like, oh, okay, so it's not just in my head. There is yeah. something actually mm. to deal with here. We're going to talk about therapy a bit more in depth in just a second, but at its worst, mate, you've experienced quite a lot of suicidality. In yeah, the years since that relationship ended, which seems to be on and off from when we've chatted, and it seems to come back quite strongly, then it goes away, then you're fine, and then it comes back quite strongly again. So, at this point, you've gone through the breakup, you've come out the other side just about. Who's the Joe we meet at this point from your perspective and from your perspective as well, Hens? For me, I definitely feel like I'm not the same person that I was. I think I'm a lot more like reserved compared to how I was. And I think Is that a bad thing or a good thing in your opinion? Do you feel like you've regressed? I think I... you've balanced out? I think I hide a lot more. I think I withdraw myself from situations that could potentially lead to me getting hurt again or that put me in a situation that I don't feel comfortable and I don't feel like I could be myself. I definitely sort of clam up a little bit. Okay. But on the flip side of that, I do think that I'm a lot more vocal with when I'm not okay with close friends. Mm-hmm. And I think that is yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely a good thing. Hens, what would you feel in here? I mean, I'd say that I feel like you're more reserved now, but only with people that you know, if you know what I mean. Like like the boys from uni. I feel like you're a bit more chilled. Like, not chilled, but like low-key zen yeah you're not always like the center of attention not saying you used to always <laughs> be job, but like <laughs> i feel like you're less center of attention than you were before even though you weren't necessarily always center of yeah. attention. but then the flip side like you've always been quite outgoing meeting people that you don't necessarily know and like that comes from meeting you boys like you came to new year's mm-hmm. with us what i don't think you were there that year it wasn't no, last year it wasn't yeah, yeah it was 2022 yeah, yeah coming into 2022 I think it was yeah yeah. yeah. Um, and like you came to New Year's and you pretty much had only met like one or two of the boys before that and met a whole like house party worth of people that you didn't know still outgoing the same mm. as you you always had and been and so I'll that kind of I've always been the most uh, welcoming of people <laughs> <laughs> Freddie's always had a bit of a, a grudge on us not a grudge, <laughs> no, not a grudge. that's not that's not the word to use but yeah so kudos to you for doing that it's not, yeah. it's not, the it's not that's thing. not easy at all yeah when you have these bad days, do you feel like you now have the tools to get through it or not? Not yet. Okay, not so yet. building that toolkit. Yeah. You've def- got the hammer, but maybe not the spanner. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it is definitely finding an approach that works for me because when I do have those days, I really struggle to do like the basics, even just doing stuff like showering, brushing my yeah, teeth, having, having something, for, din- yeah. having yeah. something yeah. for dinner. Like it seems like a mountain. And it's really, it's a real struggle to get over that. So it's that first step. Because as soon as you get the ball rolling, it mm-hmm. does become easier. I've got a book I can give you a link to after this that really helped me with... it. Was, and it was just the basics. It was just having a set of tasks that you always do every day. Make your bed, clean your teeth, drink some water. And just those little things. And if you do that, you'll know you're, you're likely to have a good day. So I'll give you, I'll give you a link yeah. to that book after this pod, mate. There was a day I want to say... God, Hens, when was it? A year and a half ago? Where Joe was talking to me and I noticed quite a big red flag. And right. This was probably just after New Year's, I think, that year. You reckon, two years ago? 
No, it would have been about a year and a half. Year yeah, and like half. Right. yeah, maybe just under a year and a half. And I'm obviously a lot better now at noticing red flags, especially in the English people, because we underplay all of our red flags. So <laughs> yeah. I chatted to you and you said you were struggling quite hard. And I had messaged you hence to just be yeah. like, because I knew yeah. you were closer, you were closer yeah. than me. Yeah. And, and I maybe thought, I'm not at that stage yet where I can perhaps intervene with the with the mental health first aid that I probably could could have done. Yeah. So I remember messaging you, Hen. So just tell me how that conversation went. Obviously, you don't have to reveal everything, but just how that conversation went and, and how it went from there. I think the first time we talked about it was at that New Year's party. Yeah. Like, you literally, like, pulled me to the side and just, like, I'm struggling. And I was, like, I had no idea. Mm. Like, completely baffed. I was like, wow, this is completely new to me. And then we just talked about it for, what well, I don't know how long it was, a long time at the party. And then we kind of just like said, yeah, we, we'll speak about it. Obviously, we were at, it was like 4 a.m. Yeah. I, I had, had a few too many <laughs> drinks. <laughs> yeah. Had a, yeah, had a few too many drinks, you know, like everyone's a bit emotional and whatnot. So it was yeah. like, yeah, we'll talk about this. And then we, we've spoken about it obviously since sober and also after a, few, after a few beers. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it was definitely a surprise for me when he told me. So yeah, the the conversation was I don't know how far Joe wants to go into it, but yeah, pretty much everything we've outlined today is he's kind of kind of just let out in one big one big go, which was yeah the mentors yeah. in the coke bottle, mate. That's what happens. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it happens once, and then after that, it's a less smaller mentoses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, it, yeah. it was it was exactly that. I just got to a point where I was like, I need to make a change, or I'm not going to be here. That's like, the conversation we had when yeah. Yeah. we were at the. What what pub was it that we always usually go to in Angel, mate? We had that conversation. Oh, not Old Queen's Head. Wenlock? No, Wenlock. Wenlock. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was Wenlock, what? Yeah. That would have been our, my birthday. That was your yeah. birthday. Yeah. We had that conversation, didn't we, Joe? And yeah. I, I yeah, that would only been last year. About a year just over something a year. like that, yeah. yeah. And it felt as stark as that, you know, if we hadn't done that, not bigging ourselves up here, but if me and Hens hadn't done that, who knows what might have happened. It is definitely one of those things, like... I mean, even now, I am in a better place, but not hugely. <laughs> and it's very much a case of, like, if I could... Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything stupid. So that's a positive step. But Those things haven't gone away. It's more if I could turn, like, just switch it off. Right. And, like, no one would get hurt, mm -hmm. but I could just sort of... That's how press, you felt. press a button. It's yeah. still how I feel, to be honest. Yeah. Like if I could just press a button, and like not be here, I would. How do you feel hearing that? Ends? It's quite hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to hear. It's hard to kind of rationalise those thoughts when you don't necessarily have them yourself. Like mm. I, I personally don't understand. I don't get it. But like, I don't need to get it to give you the support. If you know what I mean. No, hundred percent. So like, it's. And like sometimes it's hard to give someone the support when you'd feel like you don't know what really what's going on. And that's why I like just talking to someone more than once about these kind of things you talk to the right does person, help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Helps like just get a picture of where they're coming from, mm. what you can do to help them, what you should say, what you shouldn't mm. say, these kind of things. So. And when you say these things in therapy, mate, how does the therapy challenge those thoughts but in a positive way? It's sort of asking like, what would I miss? Like, you would miss a lot, mate. We would miss you. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's that's something I really do struggle with, and that feeds back into like self worth hugely. Because I've had this conversation with multiple people, and everyone says the same thing, like mm. that they would miss me, that I do matter, that I am important in the friendship group, and that I am sort of integral, like that they can't imagine me not being here, kind of thing. And as much as much as I do believe that those two thoughts like not mattering and then having someone tell me mm -hmm. I do matter that I just can't mesh them yet yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's that's the point I want to get to where they're thoughts and you can move them out of your head yeah I use the uh, process of in my head when I get intrusive thoughts or I get you know really dark thoughts I imagine it like I'm pressing the minimize button on a window on my yeah. laptop and it goes out of my head like that yeah a good way to think I like, yeah I like that that's a really good metaphor that's a really <laughs> good metaphor that's, that's eight years of therapy <laughs> something relatable for everyone yeah, cause, yeah cool. so I've just managed to get back onto some CBT I've got my mm -hmm. first session again in two weeks mm -hmm. and that was a 
big step as well because even just sort of signing up for it and going through the phone conversation mm-hmm. that's I, a step in itself bro. Yeah, yeah and that for me was the hardest step because a lot of the issues i have with getting into therapy and starting therapy mm. is believing that i deserve help and mm. that i'm not just wasting everybody's time by doing therapy that I, it is something that you I feel need. Like you're burdening people. Yeah. You're not burdening people. Yeah. Yeah. And I always look around and go, oh, there's there's people who need it more. Like, am I, I'm taking up a slot. And again, you're validating yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I've got this image in my head that mental health can only be the valid for me yeah, if I'm course. in crisis. Mm-hmm. And obviously we want to stop me getting to that point. Yes. I don't want to be in sort of a perpetual crisis before... Yeah. I acknowledge that I need help and that I deserve help. I want to get to a point where if I'm having bad, like intrusive thoughts or low mood for an extended period of time, I want to be able to acknowledge that that's not normal. And mm-hmm. that is something that going to therapy, talking to someone will help and getting those tools to get out of it myself. Mm. One quote that struck me in our chat affair, you said, I would never say these things to someone else, so why would I say it to myself? Yeah, massively. Like I, I'm my own worst enemy. Like I really struggle with my self worth, and there's a lot to unpack with that. But <laughs> <laughs> we've got time. Yeah, <laughs> you've got a lot of time for your night out tonight. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> and. I definitely do hide from difficult conversations like run with away with friends or do you mean work or because the difficult conversation can be different things so I still get the pang of adrenaline whenever I need to have a difficult conversation at work and it happens yeah. every single time and I can never stop it from doing it. I just have to push through it oh, and that... it's awkward but on the other hand and that pang of adrenaline sometimes that comes with friends if I if, if I piss someone off or yeah. uh, and normally it's unintentionally if I intentionally piss someone off I don't, I don't get that uh, <laughs> no, yeah, of course. I don't care. But if I unintentionally piss someone off, I still get that pang of adrenaline that you probably would. And is it about for you trying to reduce that level of fear to a point where you can tackle it head on yeah. rather than run? Yeah, because ugh, so many things would have been a lot easier if I'd just spoken about them mm-hmm. or sought help when I really needed to. And I know that by putting things off, the only person I'm hurting is myself. So I spent about nine months out of therapy between first going and now going back in. And so much of that time is because I was burying my head in the sand. Again? Yeah, because I was just... Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's the same with a lot of things. Like you say, oh, if I hadn't have stopped doing this, like say, oh... I went to the gym a year ago. I've stopped and now I'm back in the gym. If I'd have been going to the gym for a year, I'd be huge. Like, <laughs> you'd be like, if, you, if you'd kept going to therapy, you you think, oh, what if I'd been going this whole time? Where would I be at at this point? It's kind of like a, not a comparison. Yeah, you can but, get stuck in a cycle of yeah, negative thought patterns with that, exactly. for sure. What has the therapy so far, mate, taught you about yourself and how have you seen yourself perhaps change for the people around you like hens so my second question would be for hens how have you seen joe change i think going back to what ox said earlier about ox not is your nickname by the way oh, yeah. Nickname, nickname, yeah. not not needing to be the center of attention all the time anymore like i do feel more comfortable in myself mm-hmm. and i think a lot of that need to be the center of attention was that i needed external validation from other people to sort of make up for this lack of self-worth i would you perform for others yeah to, yeah. yeah and i can't i'd constantly want to be like people to say positive things be like oh joe like mm-hmm. joe's great he's good fun xyz yeah. and there's less of a need for that now mm-hmm. it's still there it's still there and i think it always will be to a degree but i'm less concerned about it now especially with people that I am friends with, I am close with, I don't need to perform as much anymore. That's a good thing, mate. Yeah, it's definitely a good thing. It's progress. It's just, it's baby steps. It's baby steps. And that's fine. That's fine. Baby steps is fine because as long as you're going upwards and there'll be bumps along the way, but as long as you keep going upwards, that's fine, mate. More than fine. 
what would you fit in I, there? I'd just say that I feel like you're better now at well weirdly you're not as good at as masking things as you were like I, maybe that's just because I've spoken to you about certain things I can kind of well, tell that means you're not you're... suppressing it surely yeah yeah, yeah yeah that's that's what kind of where but uh, yeah I think that you're better at that and you're better at if I do say oh like what's the problem you're better at actually saying it rather than saying no no I'm fine yeah which you have done in the past also what I'd say about the being the centre of the attention and stuff I, when we were at uni I never thought it was like a I need to be centre of attention I just thought that was you you just naturally yeah, that like person <laughs> yeah, yeah I never I, I, like, it was just like, yeah. no I don't need to be so. yeah exactly I never thought it was like oh yeah Isaac needs to be the centre of the group to that's, you that's it his thing yeah, you thought it was naturally like, that's how yeah yeah it was just naturally how you are so but I yeah, think, now I, I, think... I do think it's a bit of both. I do think that I am just like that sometimes. Like I am quite a Especially loud, a brash. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Loud, brash, and sort of just very outgoing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there also is definitely a need for like that external validation. Mm. Yeah. And especially, especially at uni, where you're thrust into a completely new environment, new friends, yeah, yeah. yeah. completely new people. Yeah, yeah, it's a madness. Come to my. Favourite part of the podcast, probably your favourite as well, (laughs) which is a little bit of a chat about your friendship together. We've established that you've known each other for a long time, around the second, third year of uni. So tell me, first of all, about your favourite memories of uni and favourite stories that won't get you in trouble. Won't get us in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) With with you. (laughs) I mean, whenever I think of our friendship, it's generally, I think of mystery trip. Mystery that trip, like one of the yeah. Main things. That's, I think the the first thing I think of is so we played in a Sunday league biomed team, so it was like our course mates, and we'd always. I was I was asked. I was yeah. I, I was asked to run the team by Sam Evans and a guy called Anthony Lamb, and I remember the first game. No I relation to James, our friend of the pod. No, yeah. No, no. <laughs> and you didn't play in the first game that was on but the first game that we played we lost 11-0 to Geography Socks and I said to Sam I was like there's no way I'm fucking playing that again I was like I'm not wasting my Sunday I was like I'm not playing I'm not wasting my I mean our goalkeeper was wearing walking boots to play football (laughs) what hunter boots he was wearing walking boots he'd never played football before in his life it was so village it was terrible it was terrible I was like I'm not wasting my Sunday mornings for this but then I think I missed Maybe the next game or the one after that, and we actually, we actually yeah, <laughs> we actually did alright. We actually scored our first goal. I wasn't actually there when we scored the first goal. I think yeah, well, that was Joe. I, scored, I scored, scored the first, first goal. goal. Wow, I rested the slide. But then after that, that was one of the funner times I had playing football uni because it was just it was just for a laugh. It was it was just a mess about on a Sunday morning. We'd all be ridiculously hungover from the Saturday night. Yeah, Sam would have to drive round pick people invariably me up (laughs) because we've overslept missed the meet time and yeah it was just it was just fun I can see him now lads (laughs) (laughs) all (laughs) in Sam loved it oh he yeah he he really did love it he strikes me as like club badge club blazer (laughs) yeah he definitely would be that kind of guy but also I remember when we so we did that in our, we'll call it second year. So our third year, we played as well. And we had a lot of freshers join the team. Mm-hmm. And Sam loved that. He loved just having his own little group of freshers there. He was just, yeah, it was, yeah. Like, they were all good kids as well. Like They were all pretty funny. Like The ones that actually played, they are all pretty good at football as well. Yeah. And we like, did have a bad team in that second year. Actually. No, we actually did pretty well. It was quite, it was quite good. Uh, yeah, we did pretty well, actually. We ended up being somewhat of a decent I mean, we had people like Harris. Yeah, we had ringers. Just a friend and he was... Like I don't even know. I think he did primary teaching at uni, but he played for our biomed team, and he was really good. Like he, Classic. he's a good player. So we, had, like, we had a couple of games where my brother had come to stay at uni, and he played a couple of times. And yeah, he's, he's good he's as well. Decent. Yeah, he's very good. <laughs> so it was. It was just uh, something to do on a Sunday, and then invariably we'd go to the pub afterwards, get yeah. some food, have a few more beers. <laughs> we even Sam even got a little like. I don't know if it was like a sponsorship, but it was like, oh, we'd go to this one place afterwards and they'd give us like a, a deal on the food and a beer or something. It was just a bit <laughs> it like... It wasn't like Ben's team and Kent when he ended up getting sponsored by Pornhub, was it? <laughs> no, not, not, quite, not quite like that, but... Um, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> but that kind of kick-started our friendship because we didn't really know each other before then. No, like, it, I knew it, was, who it, was def- it was definitely that, like me, you, Sam. 
Sean and well. Sean. Like I knew who you were before then, but we didn't really have yeah, any reasons. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Matt, oh, definitely together. And how have not just Hens, Joe, but the boys supported you with your mental health and how have you supported them with theirs, individually or as a group? For me, like they've just been there. That's all I really need from my mates. Like, so I, that's I, all you need, isn't yeah, it? I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily need someone to have all the answers or any answers or even any mm. advice. It's just someone there that I know I can talk to, that like, I can rely on because I don't think I've had that for a lot of my life, especially like my friends growing up through sort of first school, middle school, high school, college. I don't really talk to anyone from there anymore. I've got mm. two, maybe three mates from back home that yeah, I'm really well, we close with. Yeah, they came, year, they came yeah. to my birthday. But outside of that, and it was like looking back, it was definitely they were friends because we were friends. There wasn't actually like, proximity friends. Yeah. Proximity friends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no real reason for us to be pals. So I didn't really have much of a support network. Whereas now I feel like my friends are my friends because they choose to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Rather than like, I know you boys would put the effort in to come and see me. Or if I was passionate about doing something, you'd. Well, we, like, came come to watch, we came to watch a hockey game at uni. Yeah, we yeah, came, 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 yeah, came to watch So Joe played in goal for the uni first team for hockey. So he's pretty that's good. A, that's a big shoulder pads, boy. Yeah, yeah mate, yeah. massive. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, have you seen the size, like how hard that ball yeah, is? No, I, hockey's, yeah, no, ho- hockey's a terrible vo- sport. Voluntarily getting in the way of that. You're not 16 stone. Like, <laughs> no. He needs some big gear on. Yeah. When we, as lads, and this can vary, have difficulties with our mental health, especially when it comes to depression or depression symptoms. Like you mentioned earlier in the pod, Joe, when you would struggle to have a shower and do those basic tasks, that would leak into your phone usage. Yes. So you would be bad at your phone, you wouldn't respond to messages, which would probably make people worry more because you'd go a bit AWOL. So, Hens, when did you first notice that, that was a thing? And how have you gotten better at helping Joe, even when you technically probably can't reach him because he won't answer his phone? To be honest, I've, he's always been pretty bad with his phone. <laughs> like literally, ever since, ever since, ever since I've known you, you've been pretty bad with your. I mean, I didn't have your phone number until like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we used to just it was just Facebook Messenger, and that was it. Wow. Like at uni, that's all we used, and then for whatever reason, we just I just never had his phone number. And I remember like we were in Prague on our first mystery trip, and you got lost. Phone, no, I didn't. Phone I, dead. I didn't get lost. Allegedly, allegedly got lost. He, allegedly, he got lost. Didn't get lost. He got, got lost. separated from the group. Yeah, it's he got different. Lost. So he got lost. He got lost. <laughs> and we like phone dead. We couldn't contact him. He's like in a random city in Europe at like four in the morning. That's my worst nightmare. Yeah, and then like we were like, well, we literally have no way to contact him. We've looked where we were. We can't find him. So we were like, well, what else can we do? We just went home. And then we got there and he was there, <laughs> sitting outside on a bench waiting for us to let him in. So we were like, okay. Like but like, it was just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah literally. It was literally, I, I was like, I had no idea how you managed to find your own way home because I wouldn't have been able to find my way home. I knew roughly where we were going, where I was going. And because that was the, I think the, it was like was right the on the tram. It, it, it was, might have been second night. Yeah, because like the first day we got the tram to wherever we were going because that was just the way to get around in Prague. And then, but if it was the first night, I wouldn't have known how to get back without oh, a tram. I think the trams were still running. Oh, yeah, late. no, they were. They were still running, but I didn't have any, um, like, because my phone had died. Like, I just had my card, and my card wasn't working for some reason <laughs> at, like, 4 a.m. So I just followed the tram tracks. Yeah. So I knew, wow, good intuition. Because yeah. I knew, well, I knew, I knew that it, the hostel we were staying in was literally next to a tram stop so I was like right I'm just going to fucking right. follow yeah, this yeah. That's good. That's I'm just going to follow this but like, I wouldn't have been able to find my way home I, wouldn't have, I don't think I would have no thought way. that I've got this reputation as a bit of a fucking idiot which I feel like <laughs> might be deserved but like a dumb homing pigeon yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. essentially yeah <laughs> everything else it's not you're struggling but yeah. get home the pigeon works. Yeah, yeah. I, I've right. yeah, I'll always manage to find my way back eventually. So, but that's yeah, mystery trip. We've just got so many stories like that. Just yeah, just idiocy. Yeah, like we've been stupid. Befriended a American 
in what? was it crack? We say befriend, befriended. Well, yeah, I was in Sam the shower him, and Sam was like, <laughs> I come out the shower and bitch, Sam's bitch, like, come to our flat. He was like, so we were in a hostel and we like, Sean managed to mess up because it was his turn to book mystery trip, and he's managed to mess it up. So basically, he messed up twice. So but one, we all stayed at his on the night before. And we got a cab to Luton, I think, because his parents live in Mount Keene, so it's not too far. We went to Luton. He, the night before we were going, he managed to tell us oh, where we were going when he was supposed to tell us on the day. So he, managed, he was like, oh, I don't know why Krakow's so busy this time of year. And it was like, <laughs> oh, well, we're going to Krakow then. <laughs> and then he also said that, leading into that, he was saying that he'd booked a hostel, but turns out it wasn't a real place. So like a week before so he we was, so yeah, a week before we were supposed to go, he finds out from Hostel World that this place is not real. He did get a refund for it in the end, but then turns out the week that we were there, there was a festival in Poland, and it was like quite close to where we were staying, so like it was quite busy. So there wasn't that many rooms to stay in. So literally, he got the last room at, in pretty city, much in the sea. Up. Yeah, Sean <laughs> up. got the last room in the sea, and it was. I mean, it was Back. we. Yeah, it was. It wasn't terrible. Like, it was, it, we didn't it, spend it, it much did time the job. there. It did what we but needed like, to do. Better the shower, just about. Yeah, yeah essentially, right. it was like us four and then four other random people in a room, and like oh. one of these other I'm random not people. Never staying in a hostel ever again. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it was. Not after deck medal, no. I woke up and there was two people having sex next to me. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't have anything like that, but this. I say having sex, it could have been foreplay, but whatever. <laughs> it was horrific. Well, yeah, whatever was happening. Well, we almost did this year. Oh yeah, nearly this year, but. So we're in the room and then one of the guys in there is an American kid and he's like, I don't know how old he was, like 20, 19? 19. 19 we, I was, was probably, well, we were like 26, 25. This was what, two years ago? We would have been 2019. 2019. Yeah, four years ago. So 20, 25, 25 yeah. yeah. I'm in the shower, I come out and Sam's like, oh yeah, uh, what was his name? Eric. Eric's Eric. coming out with us. And I was like, all right, why? <laughs> and then Sam's like, oh, we just got chatting and asked him if he wanted to come out. And he said, yeah, fine. He comes out and he's like... Sam would get kidnapped in, in Brazil if he went. That's oh, yeah, because he just talked to everyone. <laughs> yeah. He just talked to everyone. But then this Eric kid, he's kind of funny. Like We're just sitting there in the pub having a few drinks before this bar crawl and he's just like ripping into us. Like, oh, we're asking him questions. Like, who do you think's this, that, about all right. the boys and stuff? He's had a few beers. After a few, we're realising this, this kid's quite drunk already. Like, we've only had two or three. And then we get onto the bar crawl. Well, he's like a Mormon or something, and he's never. <laughs> well, we get onto the bar crawl, and he's like. Social hand grenade. Pretty though. drunk. Like, yeah, pretty like drunk. Like, we're bad. playing beer pong in some random. Like, there's a, the bar crawl was pretty fun. There's a lot yeah, of people it was, on it. Was it. Good, yeah. He's pretty drunk, and then, like, after a while, he literally can't even stand up. And we're, like, all pretty, like, cool, like, not, so not too drunk. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, we're not yeah, too yeah. drunk. Cognitive faculty's 100% there. Yeah, and then turns out he says to us that he's never drank before. Oh, shit. Um, and this is his first time <laughs> drinking. And then we were like, oh, well, you should have said. And then he also says that he doesn't drink because his parents are alcoholics. Oh, it's so bad. And we were like, we said to him, well, I said to him, I was like, why didn't you tell us that? Because like, obviously, like Sam just literally you said to him. Pressure, didn't well, yeah, maybe, yeah, that's yeah, the thing. Pressure. And then we ended up putting him in a taxi home back to the hostel and then the next day he was gone like he was supposed to be leaving the next day anyway right. and we just didn't see him <laughs> Sam's gone on Facebook and oh, he's now yeah. called Victoria instead of Eric so he's now wow transitioned it was a very interesting experience meeting him but it's something that we go back to and talk about a lot because it was it's just so it, it was just, just it was so, so rogue. bizarre like, like it came yeah. out of nowhere this this poor kid and he was a funny like, kid yeah, like, no, he was, he was, he was nice like he was absolutely harmless good lad but just got so so drunk, <laughs> and then yeah, he was one of those kids that you see in a hostel. He's just like brought his guitar with him, he's just playing the guitar in the hostel oh, kind of thing. It was, yeah, it was one that. of those kids, yeah. That's that's, that's, what, that's what we thought. <laughs> well, we all came out of the shower, and Sam just had the shower. That's what we thought. Fuck's sake, Sam. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, so you thought about this? We need to avoid this kid. Yeah. yeah. Sam was like, oh, mid, come along to our hotel. <laughs> it was one of those, and I said to Sam, like, why did you invite him? He's just like, it's funny. <laughs> I was like, yeah, true, it's funny. Uh, it didn't. It, it added to the to the trip. To be fair, it was. It was well, it's it's funny. a story that we go back to. Like, yeah, it's, it's one of those it, things. It was good. Like they they always provide entertainment. I talk a lot on this podcast, boys, about the importance of reaching in, and not telling people just to reach out. Do you practice that with yourselves? We try to, but like I think say, you boys are a lot better at reaching out to me than I am. 
yeah. the other way around. Right. So I, so. I don't think I'm particularly good at it. And that is something that when I do get back into therapy that I want to try and work on because yeah. I don't think it's necessarily fair on you to put all the onus on you boys yeah and at some point i think i do need to take a bit of responsibility for my own mental health and my own improvement Mm -hmm. so that's something that i want to work on and i think i could also probably do some work on reaching out and checking in on you boys yeah which i don't think i'm great at either i think i get a bit lost everyone finds it tough well i just i think i just get like a bit lost on what i'm dealing with and what i'm struggling with and don't necessarily pay much attention to the thing is though mate when you recover you don't have as much time that you're thinking about yourself because you're not dealing with difficulties so you tend to have more time to think about other people yeah that's true it can happen there's potential there Uh, let's reflect on your mental health journey joe so first of all what do you hope to achieve in the future when it comes to your mental health i just want to like be happy to be honest I mean so we go, we're going out tonight we're having a bit of a boys night and I'm really really looking forward to that because I know it'll be a really really good time yeah. like train, train works on the central line oh god a... that's going to be a nightmare luckily I never usually get on the central line so oh yeah you're alright I'm alright right. right. <laughs> yeah you're <laughs> fucked mate yeah. I'm going home by 11.15 <laughs> <laughs> so we're going out tonight and really looking forward to it I know we'll have a really good time we'll have some laughs but I know as soon as I sort of get home I'll just feel a bit empty, mm-hmm. like a bit, like just just sad. Right. And I kind of have that a lot. Like it's just a, sort of this sadness, like almost an emptiness. Is that that sort of just sits? Sort of thing, you, not not necessarily. No, no, no. It's nothing. It's nothing to do with the night out. Like more often than not, I'll be like, right, I'm going home. Like I need to go to bed, kind of thing. Yeah. But it's just I know that that sort of sadness that emptiness will always like come back and that's where i start like not being nice myself yeah Yeah. so i just want to get to a point where i don't have that like Mm -hmm. all the time and wanting to like just enjoy life really there is so much that i want to do there's so much that i want to achieve and if i'm not here obviously i can't do that exactly so i want to get to a point where you boys don't have to worry to be honest because I can't imagine that's fun. Like, constantly um, having a... I wouldn't say it's fun, but we, we do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, exactly. Happens. But like, I, I just want to get to a point where you don't need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where where I'm all right, where okay. I'm okay. And what has this wider mental health journey taught you about yourself? Uh, that I'm a better person than I give myself credit for. And that I do deserve to be happy kind of thing. So, yeah, just just stuff like that. Like I've got such a good group of mates around me. I've got such a good circle. And if I was the person that I'm constantly telling myself I am, would I have that? Mm. And it's getting out of those... It's getting out of that spiral where I just need to deal with like the intrusive thoughts that say I'm not good enough, that I'm not worthy of X, Y, Z, that I don't deserve happiness that I don't deserve like love whether that's mm-hmm. platonic or romantic and just dealing with that I'm probably stronger than I give myself credit for as well mm. and as a final question if you could go back and talk to the Joe who was say burying his head in the sand about his depression or anxiety struggling to get out of bed not doing the basic tasks the Joe had just lost his self-esteem, self-worth, identity, having come out of that relationship, or the Joe who was feeling suicidal a year and a half ago, what would you say to him, knowing what you do now? And hence, what would you say to him? So, Joe, you go first. That it's okay. That you're feeling like this is okay. Like, you're not weak or self-indulgent for feeling like this. And so, like, just to forgive myself because I, I still haven't like the fallout of the relationship but like, I still haven't forgiven myself for Yet. it ending Yet. well that's that's the thing I don't know if I ever will no I think you will hopefully hopefully it's one of those there things you you're not going to know until exactly it yeah you'll look back once it happens you're thinking about think, it it'll oh. become like a eureka moment yeah it'll be more gradual yeah it will be for me I think 
I would just say, it's hard to say what I think I'd say to you then, but I think I'd say... Now, let's go now. Yeah, now. I, I mean, just make sure you try and tell people these things. Talk about these things. Because like, like, like I said, we've known you for so long and I didn't know any of this stuff. And obviously that's somewhat on the boys as well for not checking, but you know what? No, so, I, some dis- people can I disagree. Be... I don't think that's on you boys at all. I think it was something that I was incapable of dealing with at the time. Yeah. And I don't think any amount of support or any amount of people reaching out and asking would have changed that. I still think no. I'd have dealt with it in the same way. Yeah. Mm regardless of people sort of checking in and asking yeah. sort of hard-hitting questions i would have deflected i would have yeah that's the thing like drop the mask is kind of the what you probably say like yeah stop pretending just like, that just it's like just, try to tackle it head on yeah anyway. easier said than done but yeah definitely easier just said that it's done, okay yeah. to not be okay yeah for sure our final topic of conversation joe and it's one i try and have with all of my special guests if we have time it is a general natter and chat about mental health. So firstly, how is your mental health? It's definitely fluctuated a bit recently. I think post sort of Christmas, January, February is always a bit of a mm, shit show for me. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Like it's it's cold, it's dark, no one's you, got any you, you no one's got money. any money. Yeah, yeah. And I suffer with SAD, mm-hmm. which is seasonal affective disorder. So when there is not any sunshine, I'm really not great mm. like, I'm just a lot grumpier like, yeah. just, just a lot Day shittier your, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, don't, yeah. I really don't enjoy it at all yeah don't go to Scarborough I went there and it was, it was dark at half three oh, <laughs> fuck uh, me I think it was three o'clock and I, me and my dad went out for dinner and I was like alright oh, we're go to bed now and I was like it's eight o'clock so my second question on this topic, Joe, is what age were you when you became self-aware of your mental health for the first time and you realised that the feelings you were having weren't physical and they were actually in your mind? Probably 25, 26. So three to four years ago? Two to three, two, three, years, two, three years ago. Two to three years ago. Yeah. Sorry, my brain Not 30 bad. yet, mate. The COVID, the COVID period is back yeah. in my head. Um, <laughs> was it a eureka moment or was it gradual? Um bit of both to be honest like I think with the fallout of my relationship ending struggling to come to terms with like post-covid life and someone I worked with at work committed suicide Mm -hmm. and I think all three of those combined it wasn't necessarily a eureka moment but it was in a relatively short space of time where I was just chatting to one of my colleagues at work and I just realized that fuck like I'm not I'm not all right mm. like I'm I'm really fucking struggling mm. like I that I just I didn't have I didn't find joy in any of the things mm. that I usually did I was drinking a lot I was using like drinking drugs as like a crutch mm-hmm. it's like a form of escapism I was going AWOL a lot more and I just sort of really... More, more already than your phone? Yeah, yeah. Jesus, yeah. you must have gone AWOL. Yeah, I, I was just... Like to send out search parties. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, honestly, I just completely dropped off. I just wasn't having a good time at all. And I, I was talking to one of my colleagues and I just had this like moment of clarity. I was like, fuck, I need to do something about this because this isn't normal. Mm. But I think we'd been talking about her going to therapy and like how it had helped her. And I think that sort of like flipped a switch mm. like connected dots and I was like shit <laughs> yeah oh so not everybody just feels like this yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh that's news mm. right <laughs> you spoke there about that mental health conversation can you remember the first one you ever had with someone so who was it with what did you say and how do you look back on it did it feel like to many people a big burden or moment or weight in the lift off your shoulders or on the other, for a lot of people, it can be very insignificant, easy, and normal to do. Um, for my mental health, talking about that, one of the first big conversations I had was probably with Ops. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was at that New Year's party, and... That's a lot of responsibility you had, hence. Yeah, sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't, It doesn't feel like a lot get of responsibility. You a pint, get you a pint later. Yeah, cheers. 
<laughs> doesn't feel like a lot of responsibility, but at the time it probably didn't. But no. looking back, it yeah, definitely yeah. was. Looking back, it's more more so than mm. at the time. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And again, it was one of those things like it wasn't a planned conversation. I hadn't sort it's of an alcohol fueled one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was just one of those things. It was like I just need to talk to someone, mm-hmm. and I'd say out of the boys, I'm probably closest with hens, just because I probably see you the most. <laughs> yeah. And that, um, that New Year's party was like, I think I just messaged you. Yeah, yeah, you, put, you put in Matt. the group chat. I was like, anyone about, we're doing this for New Year's, anyone want to come? I was expecting everyone to say, oh, I'm busy doing this and that. Mm. And Joe was just like, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, I didn't Why actually not? have any plans. Yeah. Sort of, it was quite soon after the breakup. So I was still kind of like wallowing in that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I just realised, I was like, Fuck this! I'm not sitting in on New Year's. Yeah, that's, I'm that doing would nothing. That would yeah. be awful. I can't. Well, the fact that New Year's is a very overrated night out. Yeah. Even worse would be not doing anything. Doing it, doing yeah, nothing. Exactly. And like, all my housemates were out. I knew all the boys would be doing stuff. So it was very much get out of my comfort zone a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trek to fucking Walthamstow. We From... came to Walthamstow, then we went off to what Clapton. It was Becker's. Oh, it was at Becker's. Yeah. Then we went to Becker's brother's place, which uh, is round, yeah, it's only around the corner. Yeah, that's so, yeah. the Joe's trick. What things do you find in life, mate, that trigger your mental health? So it could be things people say to you, a sound, a sensation, being in a particular social environment, or have you not figured all of them out yet? Oh, I'm definitely still in the process of like figuring them out mm-hmm. hugely. Going on dates does a little bit. Cause, the trigger? Yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit, because like, I think because quite clearly the relationship ending has affected me a lot Mm -hmm. and I'll still get like twinges of guilt that I'm really yeah like you're somehow Uh, cheating on her yeah Yeah. like I know it's ridiculous I know it's mental what you've gone through mate it's not the most I mean it's irrational but it's not the most unnatural so I've like I think I've like latched onto that a little bit as a valid reason for feeling like this Mm -hmm. and not because I have depression. What I mean by that is I've latched onto the relationship ending as a reason that I feel sad, that I like, have increased anxiety and I have increased depression rather mm-hmm. than just having depression. Do you think that's your brain trying to protect itself? I think it's me trying to like rationalise it because it, it's quite difficult for me to just go, oh, I've been diagnosed with depression, that's just how it is that my brain right. my brain doesn't work properly kind of thing yeah you don't want to put a finality on it yeah right and then conversely what positive tools have helped your mental health which ones have you found that have worked and maybe which ones that you've tried but haven't honestly the biggest one is like just getting outside but as soon as i'm out of the door like it just helps getting outside when i go home just taking the dog for a walk mm-hmm Walking like around the downs or walking along the seafront is just so calming. Mm. It's nice. So that definitely helps. I think I just need to be present in the moment a bit more and stop mm. stop being concerned that oh, like, I'm going to feel sad when I get home or mm. I haven't got anything planned next week. I'm mm. just going to sort of wallow or whatever. Or, I've got another book I can give you that's quite good for that. Speaking of books... What has been the best book, or as I call it, mental health bible you've read for your mental health? Now, it can be mental health or self-help related. It doesn't exclusively have to be. And if you can't think of a book, maybe a TV show, podcast, film, whatever other piece of popular culture. Um, I've not really read a lot of self-help books mm-hmm. because I, I tried and like I tried sticking to it and I just couldn't. I think it was too early for me to read yeah maybe it felt too present yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, too close and yeah. then I just felt guilty about not doing any of those things so, okay. <laughs> so I've kind of like yeah. put those back so have you seen the film everything everywhere all yeah. at once yeah I've not but I've so I'm real cried yeah. my eyes out really yeah but so the daughter I think she portrays like how I feel quite well like because just the whole, like, it gave me a sense of her pushing everyone away because she doesn't feel like she deserves it kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I definitely feel that. Like, I, I related to that quite a lot. So seeing that was quite, a, it was quite nice seeing how I felt like portrayed and validated. You felt like, quite in, in yeah. popular media. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If there was a mantra in life that summed up your mental health, what would it be and why? 
Oh fuck. <laughs> um, it's probably my most difficult question actually. Yeah. Oh, I've actually got no idea. Um I love me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cuz I I mean I do I do and I don't. I do think I've got good qualities, but it's sometimes hard to see the forest for the trees. All right, well, I'll ask this final question then. And it's a broad one again. What more do you think we have to do, and hence you can ask this one as well, actually, to ensure men from all backgrounds, all walks of life, feel comfortable and safe in opening up about the mental health issues or just their general mental health, if, most importantly, they want to do it? I think there's still a lot of stigma around mental health and i think there's a lot of toxic masculinity around this idea of men being strong both physically and mentally men not showing their emotions being perceived as weak if they do so and i do still think we've got a long way to come on that mm-hmm. like there has been huge improvement through charities like movember but i think it's a conversation a lot of people are still comfortable having but i see this at work sometimes like i'll have conversations with some of my colleagues and some of the thought processes processes they have i do november for mm-hmm. work and every year some of my colleagues don't really seem to take the message on board mm-hmm. for their personal lives mm-hmm. so i'll ask them like oh do you like are you there for your husband or your boyfriend mm-hmm. or like the men in your life mm-hmm. and they seem to say no invariably wow okay yeah. this is honest. not well not in, in a lot more words but quite a few of them and this is like older generations different cultures mm-hmm. seem to be clinging on to the idea that men have to be strong that men aren't really allowed to be sad and have emotions about things so there's definitely still work that we need to do with breaking down those barriers but we're getting there like there is there's definitely been improvement yeah, I think I think we're getting there. I probably wouldn't use the term toxic masculinity anymore for various reasons, but I think we are, so we've certainly made a lot of strides. I think the important thing that I would say is that we need men to have, find purpose now. I think a lot of men don't have any. I think a lot of men don't have direction. And I think, for me, that is the biggest problem that men face because we are largely purpose-driven people. So... Yeah, I think we do. We have made a lot of strides. I think doing the work that I've done, I think certain, shall we say, mainstream issues have been destigmatized: depression, anxiety. But there's a lot of other issues that haven't been destigmatized yet for men, and I think that men often find a lot of backlash when they speak out about these, which then makes them obviously retreat further into the shell. So yeah, I think I've got a bit more of a balanced take, but I definitely agree we have done a lot of work and definitely done some positive strides. Hence, what would you say as a final thought? I'd say not necessarily something that can be done necessarily straight away, but it's just educating people at a younger age about these mm-hmm. kind of things. I think a lot of the time growing up, especially for like when I was growing up, I didn't really know that no, much about yeah, yeah, like that kind of stuff. Like if even if there's just like a few a few things at school or like that make people even just more aware of mm. things that can happen to certain yeah. people. Yeah, you've got to be also careful a little bit that you don't do too much awareness. No, of course, yeah, it's, it's a delicate balance. Health disorders when they haven't. Exactly, it's a delicate balance. Well, I was just, yeah. I was just about to say that. Tourette's yeah. and dissociative yeah. identity disorders, which have only been diagnosed in 50 people in the last 100 years, and now there's a lot of largely teenage girls saying they've got alters, and yeah, you go down the TikTok rabbit hole, you'll... Yeah. Come out. So yeah, I agree, mate. We've got. To ha- I think we've got to have awareness for kids on how to manage emotions. Yeah. But I think we've got to also be careful about, you know, too much mental health awareness can actually be a bad thing as well. Yeah. So yeah. So but yeah, I think that's that's what I would say. But it's not a a quick fix. That's no. A, I think, never is. I think just having sort of, sort of support more widely available mm-hmm. as well, and this isn't necessarily like big things. It's just having like safe spaces for men and women to talk mm-hmm. about issues that are affecting them like and financial support yeah getting myself into trouble politically yeah yeah <laughs> well it's so many so many things will feed into like poor mental health mm-hmm. it's just having those basic support networks and when people available do reach out can they actually do that can they actually get the support yeah yeah or will they just get told they're on an 18 month waiting list yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. Like, i'm incredibly lucky that i managed to find some cbt I know people that have been put on waiting lists for 
ages like mm. mental health in general does need a lot more training and funding in, yeah. a, in a in a healthcare setting because mental health is health at yeah, the end of the day 100 percent. mental health is physical health and physical health is mental health so yeah i remember yeah. when i first accessed or tried to access therapy for emdr locally through the nhs and this was when was this this was a couple of years ago now and i got told that the waiting list for it was so long that they closed it Wow. So I had no choice but to go private. Yeah. Luckily, I saw it. I moved my headspace into this investment in myself, and yeah. that's why I paid the money. Yeah. But yeah, that's a that's a snapshot of the uh, of the system that's currently in place. But there we go. Before I get myself into too trouble, too much trouble, <laughs> and myself. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this for the first time, for being brave enough to do it. I'm very proud of you. Hens, thanks for coming back on and being here. His uh, his moral support for yeah. this episode. Welcome. And to uh, thank you very much for checking in with me. Oh, cheers, cheers boys. I really appreciate it. And uh, Fred, thank you for having me. Yeah, good host. Love it. Well, that's all we've got time for on this episode of the Just Checking In Pod. A big thank you to Joe Isaacs and Alex Hensman for being my special guests on this episode pod and for being brave enough for Joe's case to share his mental health story for the first time. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, I'll sign us off by saying, please give it a share on all the usual social media channels. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. If you're feeling generous, write us a review and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you like what we're doing here at Vent and you want to support us further, you can do so by going to www.patreon.com slash venthelpuk or you can make a one-off donation to our GoFundMe or you can buy a Vent t-shirt. All of those links are on our link tree. That's linktr.ee slash venthelpuk. We hope to check in with you again very soon. And remember, guys, it is always okay to vent. Vent.